I really feel like our world can be fueled with love. And that if you love and you're passionate about something to, to, to go do that. And for us or for me, that passion is the river. And I love that and I want to protect that. And if you can find those people who have that same passion, I think that love will grow around that community. Uh, that'll fuel things that, that, that you'll ever never imagine happening. So just take that for what it's worth and um, definitely spread the love, not the hate, and look for the good, not the bad, and, and go do what you can that's positive for your area and your environment and your river and let everything else fall in place. Friday, July 31st, 2020. Sup everyone, I'm Paul Clark. Sup Paul, welcome back to the podcast. Over the last few weeks, I've been traveling in the Appalachian River Valleys, including the Nalachucky, the Nala Halem, the French Broad, the Green Rivers. I looked at the Ocoee. Unfortunately, there wasn't any water in there because on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, the dam doesn't release a flow. I really want to thank everybody that I met along the way and paddled with. Traveling is about new perspectives, new experiences, broadening your worldview. And this is possibly my only foreign trip of the season. I call it foreign because the Southeast is different than the Pacific Northwest in many ways. And I really enjoyed learning about the area by touching the water breathing the air, and having fun conversations. And I really want to thank my colleague at Hala, Jack Nelson. He was my host on many of these rivers. I shared his gear, and I followed his wisdom throughout this area. In this conversation, we're talking with Jack, learning about how he became a paddler, learning about his race enthusiasm and growing the sport of river paddleboarding and his words of wisdom to encourage people to continue paddling and most importantly continue growing as humans without further ado jack nelson jack nelson welcome to the podcast hey paul thanks for having me good to talk to you now we've been hanging out the past few days but uh good to sit down and chat with you well, the last three days have been amazing for me. Of course, staying with relatives in Nashville, Tennessee, I've been a little distant from the, the whitewater scene in the southeast, but it's only a few hours to get into some of the best terrain, including the Nalachucky, the Nanahala, the Pigeon, uh, so many rivers that uh, I was fortunate to be on thanks to your guidance and uh, use of your gear so thank you for the last few weeks of of river paddling yeah no problem i'm glad we finally got you out here and um you know you experienced the rivers and the culture and um you know everything that's going on here that maybe gets looked over um so just glad that you were able to get out here and, and your um, ability to to edit and and show all that stuff is going to be sick when it comes out so can't wait to see that and I can't wait to, you know, come out to your neck of the woods and, and see what you've got going on because that's always been a dream and it just hasn't happened yet. So hopefully that can happen pretty soon once all this stuff kind of settles down. Once all this stuff kind of settles down, obviously the, the COVID cloud and, and, and the chaos the United States is experiencing right now, only eight countries in the world allow U.S. citizens uh, to cross their borders. So uh, unfortunately, <laughs> those places... Don't you that, think that's ironic? <laughs> uh, well, it, it's a lot of things. Irony, irony is, is certainly one of the, 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 the basic elements of that, but... This trip that I took, those it was for family reasons. The the idea of getting on the rivers, almost as as I've been saying, is it has been a foreign trip. You know, coming from the Pacific Northwest to the Southeast, there is a cultural difference. There's a there's a different worldview essentially. Even though we speak uh, the same English, we don't necessarily look at the world in the same perspective. And I've I've might have had my my prejudices of that, but I've really really enjoyed the the lifestyle out here at least the 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 outdoor athletic lifestyle people are really outdoorsy and and just the appalachian outdoors is a great place to be and the people are hospitable and friendly and you know the everything's clean relatively speaking and the rivers are diverse it's it's a fantastic way to do a foreign trip if that's not uh, hopefully that doesn't sound 
I don't know, belittling, oh, I'm coming to the Southeast, it's foreign. But no, it's just a really great thing, and, and perspective is, is important. So again, thank you so much for opening my eyes to, to what's possible out here. Yeah, no problem. And just want to help you with uh, the pronunciation of Appalachia. Ah. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people say it differently, um, but uh, around here it's always been, you know, when we our group, Appalachian Whitewater Paddleboarding, or Appalachian Whitewater Sub. So I, I think we just say it a different way, but yeah, throw that, throw your country accent in there. I know it's maybe rubbed off on you in a couple, couple months or a month that you've been here. <laughs> <laughs> Appalachian, Appalachian. There you go. Now you're getting it. <laughs> well, and I can't wait to uh, show you around the Pacific Northwest too. There are certainly regions in the United States where river paddleboarding is accessible and a really great way to travel. In Oregon, there are at least five rivers that you could run every day of the year. And uh, that one element that doesn't sound like you've done yet is the multi-day trips, uh, whether it be raft-supported or sup-support. So come out to the Pacific Northwest. I look forward to uh, showing you some places. Yeah, and I definitely want to do that. The only overnight I've done is my bachelor party, and that was epic, and then Nella Chucky Gorge. Um, But I'm sure that you know out there would be beautiful as well and and multi-day versus just overnight would be amazing (laughs) my audience may or may not know this but uh, we both work for holla the paddleboard brand we're 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 tech reps we drive big white vans and sometimes park and camp down by the river so to speak and uh, take photos take people on the river do demos so you're the Southeast rep, I'm the Pacific Northwest rep, and it was it was really great to share the van life experience a little bit this last week. But we're going to talk about uh, being a rep for, for the paddleboarding industry. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about your bio, your background, where you're from, and how you got into paddling in general. Yeah, so I grew up in a little place called Bluff City, Tennessee, um, which is in the Tri-Cities area. That's like Bristol, Kingsport, Johnson City. Um, grew up there and, and, uh, my dad always took us, you know, down the, the Holston river that was close to us. Um, my great aunt had an aluminum kayak and, or not kayak, it was a canoe. And so he would float the river with us, uh, me and my brother. And then, you know, we would go some with his friends. It wasn't something that we did every weekend or all the time, but, uh, something that just stuck out to me that I really enjoyed. And, um, my great aunt and uncle had a property down on the Holston river um, that had historical um, country music. Uh, it was a place where they all like danced. It was like a dance hall on the river and it has like some of the heritage of the first recordings of the Bristol country music. And, you know, they were involved in all that. So that river had a race called the rat race and i can remember going there when i was young and it was always a big picnic in in the summer and all my family was there and they had a flat bottom uh boat and that canoe and you know we were always just playing in the river and and watching people racing by and people floating on whatever they could make and you know people squirting with water guns and dumping flour on them when they went underneath a bridge just a fun party, a fun time, and, and really good memories as a kid there. And that uh, I can remember they would put a rope on the on the boat um, and let all of me and my cousins get in it, and we would just like paddle upstream and then float back down the river. And our parents never worried us about it because the boats was tied up to the tree, um, so you know it was a lengthy rope, so we never they wouldn't worry about us floating down. But um, I think that really stuck out to me, um, and I really didn't get back into you know, paddling a lot um, until I'd say like around high school, I was wanting to share those experiences with my friends. So I would get that canoe and, and maybe borrow someone else's and I would take them down the river um, and, and just kind of started going from there. And then what was crazy is like I had a lot of, you know, things happen in my life and, and lost my brother and stuff and was like searching um, for a lot of things. And, um, living in this area obviously it's the bible belt uh religion helped out a lot with that and uh got involved with a church called surf church of all things it was called surf, surf church. church yeah that's what it was called my cousin ran it um his name was matt cross and it was student ultimate relationship fusion so it was geared to college kids um to to bring them to 
to Christianity and, you know, have them live a life with principles and stuff. And uh, I got involved with that and and enjoyed that and met someone there that had a, a whitewater little playboat mm. and uh, went out with him a couple of times. And then I got one. <laughs> and from there, um, you know, we, we started paddling. And then I was walking downtown Bristol one night and there was a little shop down there and it had a sign on the door. And we were looking in and it said, you know, need a manager. And when we were looking in, there was paddle boards in there. And I was like, oh, that would be cool. <laughs> um, and at the time, I, I had got a job teaching high school. And, you know, I'd also been paddling. And I was like, oh, this would be perfect for a summer job. So I started talking to that guy. His name was Mark. And um, got hired to run the store. And... Um, you know, had a little bit of experience, but not a whole lot. And then, man, it just took off from there. And that was back in 2013. Okay. And it was a store called Tricep, T-R-I-S-U-P, and the Tri-Center for Tri-Cities. Um, and so we had this little paddleboard shop, 2013, downtown Bristol, kind of way before its time. <laughs> and we were just slinging flatwater paddleboards. And then we started renting them. Um, and a guy came by one time. His name was Robert. Uh, Rob is a good friend of mine. And he had a one of those Samoga inflatables, I think, is what it was called. Like one of the back-in-the-day inflatables. I'm not sure what that one was. No, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was just talking to me and talking about boards and asked me if I'd been on the river. And I was like, yeah, but I don't think I took one down yet. Um, and at the time, I, we had got some of those, remember those orange Pahana boards? Oh, yeah. Like the big, oh, yeah. They were orange and white. I think that was like the first inflatable we had in the shop. And one day I snuck it out and took it down the holster and just see what it was all about. And it was awesome. And then so I got with that guy and we started paddling, you know, a little bit other stuff. Um, and then from there we brought in like the Corn Edison boards mm-hmm. and then I got the Street Fighter. And then it was on. It was like what water stuff was going from that point. Once you get on moving uh-huh. water, it's hard to go back to flat water on a paddleboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's all I was doing. I was flat water paddling. Um, I kind of had some highlights like 2013, 2014. I got into the race series and the race scene. I was racing like the 14 foot carbon fiber needle boards and did the Chattajack two years in a row. And, and it was good training. It was fun, you know, and, and I was, it was easy to just go get out on the lake by myself and go paddle. But I think I kind of was just kind of getting burned out of it. It just wasn't a challenge. And the river was like, Oh, this is awesome. It's more of a challenge. <laughs> and then, um, Matt Moses reached out to me to email, which is a guy that he's the owner of USA Raft that you've met. Mm-hmm. And we're just asking, hey, you know, I think we could collab with each other to do something. And I don't, I think at the time he hadn't really done whitewater paddleboarding. So we got together and started paddleboarding down there in the Nolichucky and just became real good friends and developed a relationship. And, um, and the Nolly you know, Fest was created. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that's what I was telling you. I was like, um, when I was going to those flat water races, I was telling him, I was like, man, we should do something like this here down the river. Why are we not doing it? So we did it. Uh, I think the first one was like in 2014. It wasn't even called Nolly Fest. It was just like, come sup and Nolly. <laughs> and my famous line is, there was more dogs than people at the first event. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but we had a great time. And then the next year, it just 2014, you know, it just blew up. We had almost, I think, 100 people. Um, we had brands coming. And then, you know, obviously it got canceled this year. But, you know, it, it has just grown tremendously. And it, it's something I think that everyone should try to put on their calendar if they can make it. Um, put on their calendar the, the, the Nolly Fest, which is in April, typically? Yeah, it's usually around that time. Um, it's a, it's a spring paddle. Uh, so we usually it's usually big water time because you're getting all that spring rain. The last one that we had, it was like an epic flood, and, and the river came up to 30,000 CFS and almost came into the pond. So you know what the river looks like yeah. right there. It was huge. And we were paddling it, I think, 3,000 a couple of weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and the road went underwater to get to it. So if you wanted to get to Nelly Fest, you had to hike in on the AT. <laughs> and then so, you know, if you were there, you were there to party and run like a raging river. And it, it was just, we didn't have a lot of people, but it was awesome. Even the band that night, they hiked in like 
their big bass and everything <laughs> on the AT, and I was just, it was awesome. So, you know, obviously the Nolichucky is dear to my heart, my favorite river for sure, and it's a um, it's a fantastic river, and the Nolly Fest should be on a person's calendar. But also the the USA Raft Adventure Lodge, uh, where Matt Moses the the place that Matt Moses owns. I mean, that should be on someone's radar too. What a cool place to really get to a sense of Appalachian culture and uh, just access to the river. And you were telling me that because the Appalachian mountains are so old, like some of the oldest mountains in the world. The Nolichucky is one of the, the oldest rivers in the world. That's crazy history. So it is old, but I think you might be getting confused with the French broad. Ah, the French broad ah, is just a drainage over the third, <laughs> second or third oldest river in the okay. world. Um, based on, you know, obviously that's above my education when it comes to all that stuff, but, uh, <laughs> on sediment and all these other things that I guess they've studied that it's the third oldest, I believe, uh, obviously somebody can fact check that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the only check is pretty old as well. Uh, and it's the biggest river where I'm at, um, uh, where all the, all the good stuff's at. <laughs> So this is 2013, 2014, 2015 when you were starting to charge pretty hard on a, on a river paddleboard. Were, other than you and Matt, who it sounds like you kind of introduced to, was there anybody else standing up on boards uh, in, on the rivers that you knew of in, your, in, uh, in the, the greater Ashland, Asheville area? Yeah, so uh, like I said, that one guy, Rob, is my good friend, Rob Taylor. He, we were first doing it together, and then my other friend, um, Damon, we all started paddling together, like in the 2013 area. And then by 2014, um, there was a couple, because I was living in Johnson City at that time. Um, there was a couple guys from Asheville that came over at that one of the first events in 2014 um, that were paddleboarding. So in that first race that we had there in 2014 um there's only two other guys and they were from Asheville and I was looking back on that and uh it was like the first one of the guys had the first initial at you and prior to, I didn't know who Holly was at that time um and uh, me and the other guy were on plastic boards um but yeah there was just a few of us just a handful so like you know going along with that timeline 2004 15 um was when i met naughty and alex they actually i met them at tug fest mm -hmm. i think or no i met they came to noli fest now that i think about it they came to noli fest it didn't really correspond with them a whole lot there um but naughty of course was, being the the holla team manager at the time yeah yeah, and they were there, and it was cool to see them there. We were glad they were there because um, we were like, oh, this is a company from Colorado coming to support us on the Nolichucky River. This is awesome. Um, so the next – it was like a couple weekends because usually Nolly Fest and Tuck Fest are back-to-back, -back, and we try to make that happen. So if people are flying from out west, you can hit two events. Um, you can fly into Charlotte. It's real easy. But uh, um, when I was at Tuck Fest, I was racing – and I was racing against Mike T, and I was on that, that big, heavy street fighter, and I, I forgot what he was on. But I was just like, man, I cannot beat anybody on this 50-pound piece of plastic. <laughs> you could ride over and, all the uh, rocks, but... Yeah, I can, like, drill everything and just, you know, style it on this humanic barge, but I'm not going to be that very fast. I mean, I'm not going to be very fast. So that's when I talked to them, and I was like, oh, I need to get the inflatables a shot. They're light, they're quick. Uh, and, and from there, 2015, Nadia said, hey, call Peter with some of the ideas you were telling me about because, uh, you know, mm -hmm. they were making boards with stationary fins. And as you know, out here, that just doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so got with, with Peter Hall, with CEO, and kind of ran some ideas about, with him about, you know, the, the skeg needs to flip up and all that stuff. And then I think the stomp box was created out of that. And um kind of help us lead the way uh in the industry with that with that feature uh, and from there man it's just it's been on uh, and another highlight 2015 matt moses and all the connections he has gets a connection with cnn and they come and shoot a whitewater sup um little expo thing 
and that went that went huge for us <laughs> and for him. Um, and at the time when I was I was paddling hollowboard for that, so that was expo- exposure at, at a national level. Breaking news: People are standing on rivers, running rapids on paddleboards. <laughs> yeah, it it was cool. You'll have to go back and watch that edit. I'll send it to you. Um, but yeah, that the whole crew came out. There's about I think eight of them, and they gave us a bunch of GoPros, and then <laughs> they did some interviews, um, and then uh, put a cool little edit together. And you know, we were amazed that hey, we're about to be on CNN for Whitewater Sup. And I'll have to put that Uh-oh. link in the, the show notes. So uh, make sure that you send me that link. I want to take a look at it myself. The, the future of river paddleboarding, what's your, what's your magic ball prediction? Is it here to stay? I, I really think it is. You know, having these demos and it's like more and more people are seeing us out there on the river um, and have an interest in it. And I think some of the older guys are finally that are showing up at these demos that have been whitewater kayakers forever and um, they're liking it and they're seeing us surfing and stuff and they're like, Oh, you know, I think they're enjoying it. So yeah, I think it's here to stay for sure. I was worried a little bit about the younger crowd when, when I've been at events and stuff uh, like the Grom races or the younger kids. But um, I I think it's, it's going to be here. What are some things that we as people of the paddleboarding industry can do to encourage this sports growth? I think mainly just be open to, um, you know, offering advice and, and hosting beginner clinics, uh, you know, and, and making sure that there's material out there for people to, to know where to reach out to, to find that, to find, you know, Hey, I want to get into this. Uh, you know, what should I buy and where should I go and where's the best place to learn? Um, all those resources are out there. So, you know, I, th- I think as long as, as we keep providing that and providing those opportunities, there's going to be people, you know, looking for that, uh, especially with, you know, the times we're in now when you're, you're looking to do something maybe outdoors for the first time because you've never done it or, you know, you're an outdoorsman and you're looking to add another outdoor activity to your lifestyle because you, maybe you're, you know, you're trapped in your city or your area because you can't travel this summer and you want to go explore that lake or that river that you haven't been on in a while. And I, I think it's it's going to be here and um, that as long as, you know, people like us are in the industry and willing to, to be out there and offer that, that we keep doing that, it's going to it's going to take off. You know, we can't be just one of these huge fly-by-night Amazon companies that are slinging boards, but they're not providing any support, you know. And, and I see that a lot. Um, and a huge part of the, the, the role as a, a rep that you have is hosting races, obviously creating, helping create the, the knowledge Chucky race, but also participating in other races in the Southeast and in Colorado. And it seems like you really love races, and you think – uh, from listening to you in person that the race circuit is is a is a great way to build the sport as well i think so um and if you look at appalachian whitewater stuff i think it's it's grown from that um you know i traveled around to, to all the events in the southeast and was thinking now oh, we need a series so last year i kind of I, I started like a little informal series on the facebook and uh you know just put it out there as informal nothing official but, you know, but have hopes to make it an official series at, at some time with 10 races in it. Um, and, and just to get, you know, people to, to come together and travel for that. Because when I was running trice up and paddling flat water, I was, I helped create the Appalachian or it wasn't Appalachian. It was, um, Southern Stoke series, which is still going on. It's a flat water race series with the 12, six and the 14 foot boards. Um, and I enjoyed that, met a lot of people through that from all over in the Southeast and wanted to recreate that same style series, but in a river series. Um, and, and through that, you know, I've met a lot of people, a lot of people's come together that I've created great friendships with, uh, would have never known without those opportunities. And then when you're there, you know, if, if you offer a clinic or you offer a demo, you just meet so many more people or, or somebody has a board shows up and is like, Oh, that was awesome. Okay. What you guys are doing. How do I do that? Can you teach me or can, you know, 
can I borrow a board or can I try this board? And, and I'm always open and willing to, to get somebody into the sport that wants to get into the sport. And that's kind of why I've done these, these weekly cleanup, yeah. uh, sub cross practice things here in Nashville is to, to, to make sure there's like a meetup for people to come, you know, experience it or share that passion for whitewater sup with others that they have. So that's tonight. Uh, I, every every Thursday, you you meet at the the nearest whitewater section on the the French Broad near Asheville, the ledges. Yeah. You do a river cleanup. You do some clinicking. You do some friendly racing every Thursday. Yeah, and I, I, we've I've kind of set that. In, I feel like I've set that in stone that it's it's gonna stay, uh, and that'll be like a hub to grow that. And then what I'd like to see is maybe like we start like a little weekly race series, like this whole season's a practice series and maybe next year it's, it's a weekly race series. So, you know, when that circuit rolls back around we start traveling again, you know, this will just be a, a weekly thing that you can, since you're, instead of training by yourself, you've got other people to train against. Yep. Uh, and it's just fun, friendly competition that, you know, we can all hang out afterwards and, and go have a beer or something and just, you know, it's it's good camaraderie and friendships, and you know, it's just it's just a good way to experience a lot of other people uh, that have the same passion as you do, and that ha- needs to be offered everywhere in a city that, um, you know, there's people out there trying to river paddleboard or whitewater sup, whatever you want to call it. Just give access to the water, and the the closer you are to the water the the more you realize how important the resource is and uh so it seems to go hand in hand river paddleboarding or paddleboarding in general and the and the waterways that they're paddling on people are paddling on they go hand in hand you become uh, a a river conservationist the more you paddle it seems like yeah for sure you know and you know you experience things on the river that a lot of people don't experience i, I kind of when i i used to ride motorcycles a lot and, you know, getting on those back roads through the mountains versus, you know, riding down the interstate, it's kind of the same thing on the river, you know. You get out there and you go through these gorges and valleys that are just beautiful and the scenery uh, is amazing and the experience is, you know, it's going to last a lifetime. And you want to preserve that for, for future paddlers and, you know, for people that, um you know, don't know enough about the river, maybe have connections to the government or uh, organizations that can help protect that, um, you know, and make sure that you're tapping into that because, you know, we definitely got to protect this stuff and keep it clean. So, you know, it'll be there in the future. I used to say that paddleboarding, um, at least on the river, was the democratization of the, the sport. It allows anybody to get on the river and pilot their own craft. I've kind of taken that uh, I've moved away from that stance. I don't think it's the democratization of the river. You still have to, you have to be a talented, physically capable person who's willing to, to paddle their own craft. River paddleboarding is not for everyone. And, uh, you know, just, totally. just, just being on the Anetta Halo with you uh, a couple of days ago, taking photos of you running the, the falls with, uh, with Dom, you know, you guys were paddling and making it look good, uh, but all the other people paddling through, whether it be in commercial rafts and splashing gilligilling or in, you know, rental inflatable kayaks, like, you know, moms who appear to have no paddling experience were taking their kids down these rapids with their kids in the boat. I'm like, huh, that's actually the democratization of the river paddling is, you know, plop yourself uh, and sit in, uh, in IK and go. But standing up on a river... Uh, gives you a different perspective that uh, really requires some education and some background and a community to support it. Yeah, sure. yeah for sure. I would agree that whitewater sup's not for everybody or river sup. Um, you know, there's those calm class one rivers that are just slow moving that, you know, versus sitting down in a raft or floating on a tube, uh, you know, maybe try, get a paddle board. You can sit on it and try it. And then, you know, in this comm section, stand up and, and give that a try. And if you have that adrenaline, you know, junkie rush that you want, like I do when it comes to mm-hmm. rapids, you'll probably go seek and try that. And you're going to swim and possibly get hurt or, or you know, just make sure that if you're going to go to that next level that you have that, um, you know, that safety training and, and the proper training to, to be prepared for that. Because, I see a lot of people getting out here over their head without yep. the training or without the rescue skills or 
or without a rope if something goes wrong or uh, unfortunately it took me forever to take a swift water rescue class but i took one this year and i was like why did i not do that <laughs> right when i got into this because <laughs> you need it you know you're out there with your your guys that you love and girls that you love and um you know if something goes wrong you just don't want to be a bystander on the side of the river you need to know how to help so you know if you are going to get into this sport and push those limits in the in the rapids I would definitely encourage you to to take a swift water rescue course with someone to understand what you're about to get into. Really important, really important. And I think that the the person who is uh, inclined to stand up on a river, um, stand on a board on the river, has to kind of already be river savvy. You could learn how, like me, like I didn't know anything about a river before getting on a board. Everything I know about the river is because of a paddleboard, but... You know, you could jump onto a tube or an inflatable kayak and know nothing about the river, and then when disaster happens, you have nothing. You have really no clue of what's going on. So I'm I'm really finding that the people who are at a more intermediate level of river paddleboarding are, are pretty river savvy, much more than someone who's just kind of getting onto a river and thinking it's just like a party barge float. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing that we've learned is, like, when I'm doing these little easy, you know, class two rivers that a lot of people are floating on without the lap jacket and in the Walmart kayak or whatever, uh, and, and they overturn, they don't, they need help. Like, you've mm-hmm. got to rescue them. And our craft is, I think, one of the best rescue crafts you could have on the river. It's a floating backboard mm-hmm. uh, that you can get someone on and, uh, you know, get them to the shore. You can stabilize them if you need to, because like I said, it's floating backboard. And uh, when I, we were taking that swift water rescue course, you know, I was talking to that instructor that, you know, this is something that, that needs to be incorporated. So we're going to try to work on that. And we were at ledges a couple weeks ago, there was a, a fire department there training in, in river rescue. And uh, we were talking to them about, Hey, you know, do you guys have a paddleboard in your lineup? Cause you should, they had an inflatable raft, but, by the time they get to the river and pump up that inflatable raft, you've lost the vital seconds when somebody that had experience could jump on a paddleboard and, and get out to them. And, uh, you know, with our boards having D-rings on the front, you could clip that thing in, get it back across the river, and, uh, you know, you could possibly help and save someone's life. So I think I, I'm really going to try to push that. I'm going to work with these volunteer fire departments that are around here mm-hmm. and a couple of us. Uh, or maybe going to join that so we can offer those skills, you know, for that crew that, hey, we could jump out on the paddleboard and get to that person possibly by the time you guys are blowing up this raft and <laughs> sitting on these rope things and, you know, critical seconds have gone by. So that, that, I, I that, hope to help push that because it needs to be pushed. Well done. I haven't even really thought about that part of uh, the uh, – obviously I know that the paddleboard is a great – uh, swimmers flotation device and I've helped a number of swimming kayakers who've separated from their boats uh, <laughs> one of the, the best experiences was a guy on uh, the Wilson River in Oregon who definitely was you know, browbeating me at the put-in like you know this is class 3 plus whitewater I'm like yeah I have an idea and he's like I don't know if this is a, a place for paddle boards I'm like yeah I, I hear you I, I, I hear you but I think I'm good uh, and of course he was the guy who separated from <laughs> his boat and with a hand uh, I pulled him to shore and he, uh, he, he seemed to browbeat me less after that yeah Ah, yeah, I got a lot of that. You're about to, you're about to stand up on the, you know, there's rapids ahead up there. Rapids. Yeah, I know, but I know. <laughs> well, on yeah. on this trip that I just had, uh, we were on the the Green River out of Asheville, and I was joking that uh, ours was the most expensive floaty toy on that river. We had the you know twelve plus hundred dollar paddle boards and the helmets and PFDs and three hundred dollar paddles, and everybody else was in bikinis and board shorts and Walmart tubes. Yeah. Yep. And the Crocs. And the Crocs. <laughs> but oh my gosh, I, I joked that it was the it was the the tube graveyard. Everywhere you looked in this pristine, beautiful river, there were tubes on logs and on the shore, just deflated and dead. Yeah, and I really hate that. That sucks. You know, if you're gonna enjoy the river and you take your little crappy inflatable thing out there, make sure it leaves with you. But also know that you're you're risking your life on this little seven dollar 
ring that you're about to float down with no life jacket on. So, and I, you yeah. know, that that's like you know, I scratched my head, you know, my helmeted head on that trip. Like, so every tube that's dead on a log or under a rock in the middle of the river, that meant someone was swimming and walking. You know, maybe right. accessing the road through the 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 thick bush. Like, huh? That I mean, there was some there's some chaos on that river. Yeah, a lot of people just don't have any river sense. You know. They think they're just going to get out there and float, and they forget about the rapids and the strainers and uh, bringing shoes because you don't know what you're going to walk out of or where the fish hooks at or river glass or whatever. So there is a lot of ignorance uh, for for newcomers or just tubers. But, um, you know, if you're going to do that, just do it responsibly. You know what you're getting yourself into. And I didn't really talk about my bio. I did whitewater kayak uh and I, and I kind of quit because when I started getting into creaking with the guys and we were progressing really fast and I could roll on the right side, but I didn't feel hundred percent confident. Like when we got into four and maybe some four plus five ish rapids and you know, you, you dump your boat so many times and break a paddle or beat that boat up cause it was full of water and went down a rapid. It, it just became like, you know, this is kind of getting annoying. Uh, and it, when you, when you wreck on a whitewater stuff, it's just like, okay, I'm in the water. Now I'm back on my board and I keep going. I don't have to go to the shore, dump all that out, find everything, you know, it's, so that's another reason why I transitioned to SUP and kind of really haven't been back in the whitewater kayaking since. And I never was a whitewater kayaker, though I was a long-distance sea kayaker. Uh, river paddle, river whitewater kayaking never did anything for me. And on this podcast, I've talked with Dan Gavir and Mike Tavares and Tim Thornton, all excellent whitewater boaters who all kind of are in that same voice of, well, kayaking is, is really fun in class four and five, dropping waterfalls, doing creeks, uh, cartwheeling in holes. But there's so much more to rivers than just that adrenaline, near-death, riding the near-death edge. And, you know, for me, some people call me crazy for paddling on rivers, but on a board. But it's, for me, I'm 47. It's, it's risk management. Everything that I do is, is about having fun and exploring a new area, but doing it again tomorrow without too many injuries. So, you know, it's, it's just a series of risk managements, and I'm happy to run a rapid on my knees or to, to walk or, or something like that. You know, being able to say no is an important thing. And if you're in class two plus, three plus, it's a lot easier to just really have an enjoyable experience on a board where a kayaker is like, this is boring, let's go do some, you know, dangerous stuff. Yeah, and that's that's how I was feeling. Like, I was like, oh, this class two sitting in the boat and then my long legs are going to sleep. This, <laughs> I, I'm tired of it, you know what I'm saying? It just, it wasn't there, so... Um, yeah, I'm glad I switched and it's been, obviously it's, it's worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and let's transition to now the, the industry itself. We're both reps. I mentioned that earlier. We're both reps for Hala Paddleboard Company, Hala Gear. What is it like being a rep for you? Driving a big van full of boards, meeting people. Uh, how, how is that experience? What is it and what is it not? First of all, I, I would say that that we're blessed or I feel like I'm blessed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. I'm, I'm doing something that I love that I'm passionate about and I'm working for a company that, uh, feels the same way and it's very innovative. And, you know, I, we're obviously, we're, um, have a little preferences towards our products, but I think they're the best out there. And holla um, holla. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we're, we're living, I'm living the dream, honestly. You know, when I was thinking about this back in the day as a teacher, and it was just going to be a summer gig, and now I'm working for a company, and they give me a van with all these awesome uh, boards, and I'm traveling the country and seeing and meeting people, and, and they're paying for it, and, and we're exposing people to this, and the brand's growing, and, and things are going good. Uh, you know, it's just amazing that we have that opportunity, uh, and, and we're really fortunate because I think a lot of people um, envy what we have. Uh, and that's why I always make sure that, you know, it's not mine, it's 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 ours and it's here to share all the stuff that I have in the van. You know, it's no fun if I can't share it with anyone. Mm-hmm. So these clinics and these events make it make it awesome to share that with everybody. And, you know, if somebody forgets something, I always have extra and uh, they can always count on that. So that's 
I think that's great for us to be able to, that we're those people that can do that. That, that is awesome. Um, you know, and, and it, it's also a computer screen uh, and staring <laughs> at emails and, and tracking orders and, you know, the pressure to get new accounts or keep those accounts, uh, you know, selling boards and making sure they're educated and, uh, you know, following up with all their questions or, or issues, you know, that's, that's a lot of it. Uh, getting text messages and Facebook messages and in Instagram the middle of messages the night. from all hours, you know, it's like, you, it's not eight to five by no means, you know, you're going to get that 11 o'clock. Hey, um, uh, do you, do you have a paddleboard for sale or, you know, you're just going to get those random questions and, and that's there and that's fine. Um, it, you know, it's not all fun and glory, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's just, it's not like we're entering data or working at a bank and staring at a computer screen. So it's, yeah. you know, I know that after I get through that part of the day or whatever that, uh, go hop in the van and get to the river. And, and that's you know what I, I enjoy the most. Um, so, you know, there are some responsibilities. I think some people just think we drive around in vans and paddle all the time, <laughs> but there's a lot of time behind the screen, you know, like our emails and for you and for me editing yeah. videos is it takes a lot of time. So, um, you know, it's, it's not just all the, we have all the toys and the van and all we do is paddle. There's a <laughs> lot, there's a lot behind it. And if, if boards are not selling, we're not getting paid. So a lot of, exactly. our, a lot of our yeah. work is uh, shaking hands and putting uh, demo boards under people's feet and, and making sure that uh, established retail accounts are uh, flush with boards or as much as, as, as possible encouraging greater sales. But one of, the, one of those messages I get on a daily, whether it be in an Instagram direct message or a text message or an email is, dude, do you have boards for sale? Dude, can I get a discount? Dude, yeah. how do I get sponsored by XYZ brand? Uh, and I always have to say, like, you know, that's not what, yeah, it, 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 yeah, that stumble in my voice <laughs> is also the message I give to people, especially the sponsorship thing. There are some industries, the mountain biking, the, the, the throttle sports, the motorcycles, the cars, where, like, sponsorship is, is a real thing. They pay for travel for certain athletes. They pay for equipment for certain athletes. But let me tell everyone right now, the river paddleboarding industry does not have sponsored athletes. Yes, there might be some reps. There might be some people like Mike Tavares who has their name on their boards. But there is no sponsored athlete in river paddleboarding. No brand is going to give you free stuff, period. No. There are teams, and there are uh, team paddlers, and there are ambassadors. Ambassadors tend to be those people who have some social media or some community influence who could get some gear at a discount and you know, maybe pass a discount code to some of their friends and family. But uh, it's definitely not a free ride industry by any means. Yeah, you know, everybody wants the bro deal. Like everybody wants the yeah. bro deal. And it just is sometimes that just it can't happen because the local shops there and you know the local shop needs support and you know that bro deal maybe doesn't need to happen so they can get that sell so you definitely have to to balance that with the right people um and you know that's just something that that's there oh and and i'm sure you've gotten this too like you you do potentially have a, a discount code to give someone and they're right in the same town that you have one of your biggest accounts, and that person then goes into that shop to buy, you know, a paddle or whatever, which which helps that shop. But then they find out that you gave that person a great deal, and then instantly they get it. They send you a message or an email like, "What? Why are you sending?" Wow. And and so it's just easier to to tell people. Unfortunately, no, I don't have a discount code for you. Shop at uh, your your local retailer. And let's get on the water. I'll offer you a free clinic and, and, and get you geared up. Yeah, that's what I try to do. It's like, hey, you go support this shop and I'll support you with like uh, doing a lesson or working with you on skills. Um, it, and I think when people see us in those logoed bands, um, you know, I grew up in, in motocross, uh, riding dirt bikes and my friends race professional or amateur professionals and you know, you see those big rigs sponsored by Monster rolling there with all that, you know. And I think when people see us rolling like that, they think that, you know, and, and it's just 
you're not going to make a living as a professional whitewater supper or paddle boarder. Here's uh, a couple of stickers. And, uh, yeah. You know, you're just like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> don't expect it to be your number one income. I hope you're doing some other stuff or you've got to be a huge inf- social influencer and then maybe, you know, you can make it. Um, but, and, and there's more money in the flatwater scene. Oh yeah. Uh, obviously. But I, I think like if we could get that, a whitewater sub series that was like our Appalachian sub series, if we could get sponsorship from like a big company that's, you know, pushing that adrenaline, outdoor lifestyle that that would help and then if that could nationalize and then globalize i think then we're set at that point and then you know you sell that to a to you know espn or fox sports or somebody and there's no reason that this sport shouldn't be in x games or something or you know we i think there is that opportunity and with the right people with the right connections i think that can happen in the future and i hope that it does happen and I hope I'm a part of it. You're definitely a part of the growth, and that's one of the reasons why you're driving a big white van is uh, your your unique perspective and capabilities, not just on the river, but uh, there's so many hours off of the river to, to make that river experience happen. So again, thank you so much for the, the introduction to uh, the, the Southeast. Uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to coming back and exploring more uh, the, in Tennessee and North Carolina uh, for sure, but also heading up to Kentucky and uh, West Virginia. The, the mecca of Southeast River paddleboarding is definitely in that Appalachian uh, region. Yeah, for sure. I I can't wait to get you back out here and we get up to West Virginia and and get up to Kentucky and uh, into Richmond, Virginia. But, you know, the James is fun, too. Uh, And and up north, um, there's stuff up there. I've only been up there once, but, you know, we got one of our paddlers that's up there, Chris, and there's a lot up there to explore that that's not been tapped into yet. I think it's just getting started, so. Outside of your region, where are you looking at? Where are you looking to to do a trip to to travel to with a with a, a board under your feet? Really, your area? Yeah, British Columbia, that area up there. I'd love to experience that. I'd love to get up in in Idaho. I haven't, you know, I've been to Go Pro Games twice. We went to California last year for the first time, but it was just a you know I was just being a tourist. I didn't have a board. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I want to get back out there with the board and, and experience that. Um, and then I also want to get up in the Northeast and I want to get on all those big rivers that that's up there. So I think it'll probably be easier to get to the Northeast, you know, with, with the restrictions and all that going on. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're closed. The United States, uh, yeah. as, as a U.S. passport holder, like, okay, all of our foreign travel is domestically right now, and that's why I, I, I called this trip a, my, my foreign trip of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of negativity around that, that we're stuck, and I, like I said, I think it's ironic that we were trying to close everybody to come in, and now we're, we're stuck in, and we can't go out uh, on vacation, but I think that allows people to say, you know, there's, I feel like there's so much in our country that is beautiful and, and different terrain and culture that it's not experienced that maybe it's time to look inward and, and tap into that and go connect with people in our country and, and mm. see what it has to offer versus thinking that the adventure is always, you know, in Hawaii or in New Zealand or whatever, because they're there as well, but maybe go try to find that in our country or in your community or in another state or something, you know, go, go look for that. It's an adventure as well. Uh, a road trip's a blast. What you said reminds me that, you know, the United States is having some political turmoil, very antagonistic, very divisive conversations. When you go for an adventure, you have to rely on the, the kindness of strangers. And so even if it's in your own country, reach out to people of different perspectives, different colors, different backgrounds, different craft on the water to, to really realize how, how small the world is and how human we all are. For sure. And protect the resources that we've got. Yeah, I totally think that, that people need to do that. In, in the last minutes as we're wrapping up, advise my audience how to get into river paddleboarding what are the few uh things that you could recommend someone to get into river sup 
if you're going to get into river stuff, uh, look for your local gear shop first. If you don't have a local gear shop, then maybe, you know, try to search to see which the closest one is. Or reach out to us if you're listening to this podcast. Your Paul are obviously welcoming to anyone um, or Holla Gear in general um, if you have questions. So I, I would recommend that. American Whitewater is an amazing resource to give you descriptions of the river and uh, the takeouts and the put-ins and the rapids. And they do so much for our, our sport and our culture of our river culture and you know they're also trying to get no tricky wild and scenic and that's something that i want to plug to make sure that mm. sign that petition to get the no tricky wild and scenic um so you know the american whitewater.com is a great resource um and, and look for a, a local paddling group maybe on facebook or social media outlets um and and go from there and, and get it to a clinic or um to learn what gear you need and what skills you need before you dive in and buy all this stuff. And then maybe you don't like it, you know, you know, schedule a, a clinic with somebody and go use all their stuff and, and see if it's right for you uh, before you just go buy that $200 Amazon board and go take it down the river and end up with a bad experience. You know, then that's, I don't suggest doing that uh, <laughs> at all. River paddleboarding does require an investment, both in time and in gear. Uh, but uh, once you have uh, the the gear, the time you spend on the river is fantastic. Jack, let's let's wrap it up with that. Thank you so much for your time on this conversation and uh, your your words of wisdom, but also just your gear. I used your gear on this trip and uh, your knowledge of the area. I had a fantastic time because of you. You're still there. Uh, I'm still here. Yeah. I don't know why we keep losing connection, man. We're gonna sound like a sprint commercial. Right <laughs> if you could hear me, I'm gonna wrap it up. Thank you. Oh yeah, and thanks for having me. Uh, and just some kind of words of encouragement. I know you asked me to say that. Is I I really feel like our world can be fueled with love, and that if you love and you're passionate about something, to to, to go do that. And for us or for me, that passion is the river. And I love that and I want to protect that. And if you can find those people who have that same passion, I think that love will grow around that community. Uh, that'll fuel things that, that, that you'll ever never imagine happening. So just take that for what it's worth and um, definitely spread the love, not the hate, and look for the good, not the bad, and, and go do what you can that's positive for your area and your environment and your river and let everything else fall in place. Thank you, Jack. Words of wisdom. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks a lot, Paul, and I look forward to, to seeing you again soon. The safe travels back to Oregon, and can't wait to get out there and paddle with you. 